Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner in life and my wife, Rachel Campos-Duffy. It's great to be back, Sean. It's our favorite time of the week. It's Q&A. We've got some good questions, but we can't start until we talk about this Jill Biden video that everyone is calling the Hunger Games video because it really does look like the Hunger Games. This is the Christmas video in air quotes. Yeah, should we just play it? And then for those, and we'll come back and I'll describe it for those who can't see it. So if you're not able to see this, if you're just look, you know, hearing the podcast um, through audio, you're seeing these like literally Hunger Game dressed dancers and they're sashaying and dancing throughout the White House. And so like first ladies put out these videos around Christmas and usually they're very sweet and elegant, right? Like they show the Christmas ornaments and they show the, you know, the you know remember the beautiful gingerbread white house that they always do in the white house and the tree that usually comes from wisconsin or connecticut or someplace fabulous and they show the the whole design that the first lady does but it's it's tasteful and the this ornament, the decoration yes uh, and every first lady has her touch the nativity, right the nativity is so beautiful Christmas music maybe playing in the background um, it puts you in the mood for Christmas, which is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Correct. What we're talking about. Correct. Um, 
Jill Biden, not so much. Um, no, not so much. All, I'm not. I'm not a tap aficionado. There's a lot of I, tapping. I'm That's not a big true. tap guy, so like maybe I'm not the right one to ask. But I'm. I'm looking at these freaky looking figures tapping through the White House. And I'm like, what the hell is this? It's really weird. It's supposed to be sort of some take on the nutcracker, but it's really hard to figure out. It really does look like the Hunger Games. And of course, um, the the person that the the these dancers come from the Dorrance dance um in New York City. And they're a tap-based dance company, and they perform this, you know, nutcracker version of the white for the White House. Um, but if but you they, go to their website, they don't just tap. Yeah, no, they don't just tap. They have a lot of political opinions. <laughs> They're social justice warrior dancers. Okay, essentially. So if you go to their page, um, the site is dedicated to teaching white people. This was the dance page. Okay, it's dedicated to te their whole troupe is dedicated to teaching white people to check their privilege, um, to quote, be mindful of who and what is financially supporting the candidates you vote for, and they link to BLM. And, you know, other social justice organizations that are organizing white people for racial justice, et cetera, et cetera. This they talk about white fragility. They also want to defund the police and defund prisons. So yeah. this is a radical group. And they're no the, one. They're the Antifa dancers. They're, well, yeah, right, that's right. They're the Antifa dancers. Thank you for that. Um, the but, anarchist dancers. No one gets into the White House without knowing the background of who the people are. This is so intentional. Yeah. This is this the philosophy of these dancers matches the philosophy of Joe Biden and his administration. Um, it is radical beyond belief. Um, and again, the politics of this have no place at Christmas. This is I mean, we used to have sports. Sports is a time where we could all come together as just Americans, not red or blue. We were just we enjoyed watching sports and they've infected sports with politics. Mm -hmm. And Christmas was also a time where it's like, leave your politics alone. Leave your Satan somewhere else at Christmas. Leave your woke politics somewhere else. Let us just celebrate the birth of Christ. Right. And, and they can't seem to do that, even Joe Biden and, his, and this yeah. administration. As we're trying to, again, he's the great unifier. Joe Biden, the great unifier. This does nothing to unify American America, bringing you know, the woke dancers, tappers to the White House. Well, you know what's interesting, Sean, is their ideology, this woke... Um, BLM, Antifa kind of uh, social justice thing. It's ugly. And it comes out in the performance. So what, what I was going to say is, you know, it, this is, was not a beautiful, um, you know, spirit lifting performance. It reflects how ugly um, it is to inject politics into virtually everything, which is, by the way, so communist, right? That's what the communists do. All art has to have politics. Um, I, I, I was really taken by the kind of attacks that Melania Trump, Trump endured, especially around Christmas uh, with her decorations. And they always, I went to the White House during the Melania years and her decorations were gorgeous. I mean, like breathtakingly gorgeous. Um, I, I remember, you know, I have- I went during the Donald years. Yes, yeah, we went, well, they were the Melania years for me. I, I remember walking down this corridor and she had, all these snowflakes, which is why I ended up purchasing snowflakes that I hang from every archway in my house um, because I just love that look. Of course, it's not as fabulous as, as Melania did it in this gorgeous corridor. I mean, the whole thing was covered. Anyway, it was so gorgeous and they found a way to attack her. And I found this video of, this was to contrast it with Jill's. 
and you tell me who's more elegant and who really is thinking about people and about our traditions and who we are as Americans founded on Judeo-Christian values. Um, and of course, Christmas being the bit, you know, one of the most beautiful Christian holidays there is. Watch this and tell me what you think. So if, again, if you're just listening, it is, she is so gorgeous and she is so elegant and it's so sweet and she's showing the decorations and it's a beautiful, you know, video meant for social media that gave you a taste of the White House, made you feel like you were entered in. That's the point. The point isn't to educate me on some sort of, you know, dance troupe. And, and really, I mean, it's so gauche what they did, the way the dancers are, the, the, the there's nothing beautiful about what I saw. It just is like, it looks like a really cheap, I don't know, like not even Broadway, like off-Broadway thing. It looks like a circus. It looks like a circus, actually. You're you're right. It looks like a circus which actually maybe is a really great reflection of this White House. Ugly and circus-like and not uplifting, not edifying. So anyway, I thought that was fascinating and should be noted. And we did. And we did. We noted it. We did. We've noted our objection for the record. Yes. We did not like it. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services Marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, 
your trusted ally in home services. Can I, just, can I bring up another thing that's happening, Rachel, before we get to some questions? There's, there's a lot of conversation about um, the testimony of the, of the, the presidents of, of UPenn, of Harvard, and, and MIT um, at, in Congress. America blows up because they can't condemn um, what's happened on uh, anti-Semitism. And so the presence of these Ivy Leagues who were, were testifying before Congress and couldn't right. bring themselves to say, yeah, it's, it's not cool to, to, to say genocide when talking about the, the Jews um, on Context campus. Context doesn't matter. Might, that, might not make those kids feel safe on campus. And so there's, there's blowback. So the, the president of UPenn, she lost her job. However, the president of Harvard kept her job. And there's been a lot of conversation about that, but I don't want to go into that point um, so much as it's not the presidents. You and I have talked about this. It's not the presidents of the universities. It's the rot that starts with the president and goes all the way through the professors and the administrators of these universities that have been corrupting the minds of our kids. And it's interesting that America now pays attention to going, oh my goodness, what's going on in American universities? They're crazy. It's like, yeah, well, they've been crazy for decades, and we've been pointing that out. We've been conservatives seeing, have, yeah. Um, and welcome now, to the party. <laughs> now they're all seeing it, but it's interesting. Now on the Hill, uh, Republicans are going. You know what? We should address this. We should not be funding, of course, these institutions. So uh, something Sean Duffy's been saying for a long time. Why? Yes, I have. Why? <laughs> Wonder why I want to bring this topic up. Nope. So, but so uh, Harvard, Harvard, uh, but. Uh, Stanford, uh, Yale, they all have massive endowments yeah. to the tune of billions of dollars. Are they tax-free endowments, Sean? Why, yes, they are tax-free. Mm. They don't pay taxes on those endowments. So that's one gift the taxpayers give them. Also, uh, the taxpayer underwrites the loans to this, for the students that go to those universities, and Joe Biden actually wants to pay for those loans. So we're funding the education of the kids that go to those institutions. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's about time this country looks at what good do, the, do universities provide our country oh. and what rot do they provide our culture? And I'm at the point where I'm like, we shouldn't fund this stuff. Um, they, they're well, they're, they're anti-American. They're, they, they hate the Constitution. Um, they don't like the rule of law. They hate free speech. They hate guns. Um, they're, they're partisan to the T, they, 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 they want to censor speech. It used to be a place where there was truly a vigorous sharing of ideas. That is long gone. It's about just indoctrinating. And kids aren't coming out smarter. They're coming out more radical, but dumber than when they went in. Why do we fund this? We should stop funding commie camps. So two points. One, when you talked about the endowment, I kept thinking about how during the time of, um, COVID, when so many families were struggling and couldn't keep up with the payments, they were sitting on these fat, I mean, these are met, some of these endowments are more than most countries bring in, in, you know, their GDP. Th- their GDP. And they're sitting on these endowments and they didn't give a break to the students with tuition, even though these kids were in Zoom classes and getting less for their money. And then on top of it, they did no loan forgiveness. Like they could have forgiven the loans. They could have given breaks to the parents. They also weren't providing services. So like they shut down like the gyms and the, you know, these country club gyms that so many of these universities have now that they, you know, use to justify their big expensive tuition costs. Uh, they weren't providing those services. And yet 
the kids were getting charged the same amount that they were getting charged when the schools were running, you know, in the the normal way pre-COVID. So they did nothing to help with these endowments. They just sat on these endowments. They they, they did tap into the endowments to help out with um, the the, the tuition for the kids. So there was that part of it, but so I, I was he thought I was not paying attention. To that. Actually, no, was, I know you weren't. But I, I pulled up. So Harvard has a fifty point nine billion dollar so over fifty billion, fifty plus billion dollar Yale, forty one billion dollars uh, for an endowment. Um, that the national universities with the biggest endowments, they're nearly uh, twenty one billion dollars on average. So this is massive amounts oh, wow. of money. By the way. They're charging kids $65,000 a year to, t- <sighs> to attend their universities. Um, and so it does beg the question, why are we taxing that? Right. And what I was going to say, Sean, is that you've made this decision, you and I made this decision personally. We've looked out at what good does, does a, you know, Ivy. We had, we had a kid that went to a, a, a University of Chicago, a very prestigious university by American standards. Um, and we looked at even the state colleges and we're like, these colleges aren't providing an education. They're so only indoctrinating. They hate us. They want to take they every hate value. They hate our values. They want to take everything that we've instilled our children in for the last, you know, 18, 20 years. And they want to turn that on its head and turn us into the enemies. No, I'm not going to give you that money. And so, yeah, why wouldn't Congress, especially Republican members of Congress, look at the universities and say, these are commie machines. These are commie indoctrination machines. Why are we funding it? They're actually undermining the foundation of the country. It's not just that they're turning out a bad product, but the product are young people who are going to run our country who now don't believe in the Constitution, who now, you know, think that social justice should be injected into the criminal justice system, which was the gem of our United States of America. Um, now that's been turned on its head and we're turning out kids from law schools who are steeped in, in, in all of this woke stuff and not in our constitution. So yeah, they're undermining our country. Your, your colonialism in Western civilization has ruined the world and Christianity is so negative. I mean, all these, all these issues yeah. um, are so backwards. Um, and, and again, I'm happy that the Congress is, is looking at it. Hopefully they'll address it. You talked about our kids and there's, there's something about having a credential um, and there's some, they, there's still a little shiny, you know, medal you get for going to Harvard and graduating from Harvard. I, I think that still exists. But oh, it sure does. It's a club. And, and if you're in that club, you get it doors open for you. There's no question it, about but it. It means less today, I think, than it did, you know, 15, 20 years ago. That's probably true. Um, and so as our daughter went to Chicago, I, we thought, wow, that was really great. She got in and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard university, but the stuff she's learning, the, the scholastic work was hard but the content in which she was learning was garbage. And after that experience, we said, you know what? Not all of it. She took, she, there were a few closeted yeah, professors yeah. Um, th- that came out, by the way, the ones that were tenured can come out uh, of, the, of the closet ideologically, but they're very few and far between. And by the second, third year, she figured out who they were and she could navigate to try and find some, some interesting perspectives that were different than all the Marxism that was being fed to her as not Marxism, but the way things are in her freshman and sophomore year. So by her senior and junior year, she was able to navigate it. But trust me, she had to do what all of your kids have to do starting in junior high 
all the way through college, which is if they want a good grade, a lot of them have to begin to make those choices. Do I want a good grade? I better spew the Marxist party line, party line that my professors want, or I can say what I think and get punished for it in terms of my grades or even in terms of my treatment in that class by, by my professors and also by my, my fellow students. So these are but the kinds you, of waters that, that normal kids are navigating. Troubled waters. Troubled waters. All right. But we had our, our second one. We said, we don't care about the credentials. Oh. We want the good education. I want her to come out smarter than when she went in. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think we've learned that lesson. And that's what we look for now is a school that's going to enlighten their minds, make them better citizens and not undermine Western civilization values and the Duffy value, actually build that value up. And so, um, again, good on the so she's at good on University of she Dallas. We ended up sending her to the University of Dallas, which is a classical um, Catholic university, but there are other Catholic, there are other classical universities, non-Catholic as well, um, who, and, you know, Hillsdale College, by the way, is a fabulous choice for people. Um, if you want your child to be steeped in the Federalist Papers and the Constitution and sort of what was, um, and, and, you know, Aristotle and Socrates and, 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 and Plato and great English literature and, um, you know, just the best great books of our time and of all time, uh, then you have to seek out these kinds of universities. And we have podcasts dedicated to that. And I hope you can go into our library and find them. Um, we have everyone from Victor Davis Hanson giving his list of, of universities he would pick um, to us discussing with Pete Hegseth why this is so important um, to, to be educated in this. Listen, we also have a child who, who went to college in the middle of COVID and said, I'm not doing it. I don't like this experience, which I tried to say COVID has a big impact on the experience, but in the end decided this isn't a good value for me. I want to be a filmmaker and he's doing his thing too. So, you know, I think maybe 10 years ago, I might've been more upset about that. Like you're not going to college. And now I'm like, you know, yeah. okay. If that's your choice, that's your choice. And it's not that I've become loosey goosey. It's that I've become disillusioned with the product. And he was at UW Madison and and I, frankly, do, I don't want my tax dollars going to fund abortion. I don't want my tax dollars going to fund communists. It's very simple. Yes. I mean, you might. What are personal money? You might twist my arm on, you know, EV chargers. I'm like, I don't want that. But I'm like, okay. But, you know, is that ruining America? Yes. The mandate, the mandates are, but the EV charger itself is not. The minds come out of these schools and abortions are ruining America. So I'm sorry. That's I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. But that's there's no place. So Republicans, fight on, fight hard, take the tax breaks away from these universities. And maybe they'll wake up and go, huh, we should be more uh, America-loving, america, -loving, america or maybe just in, And maybe just care more about diversity of thought instead of diversity of skin colors. And, equity and inclusion. Equity, yeah, maybe the equity inclusion should extend to um, people it's, with different opinions. Equity, the word equity is being used all over the map. And just like four years ago, what is equity? When yeah. I talking about equity, I'm like, we kept hearing it. And equity sounds like equality, very different things. And they're using equity all over the map. It's yeah, it means equal outcomes and not equal opportunity. Right. And that is a very, very different, those are two very different very systems. communist philosophy. We'll have more of this conversation after this. 
Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Okay, so let's talk about this. What is the one thing, this is one of the questions, what is something about you, Sean, that people would be surprised to know about? Hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna, can I say a couple? Sure. I'm say two. Okay. So I love flying model airplanes. I did that when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, you do. Um, he still flies and, it and in the summer. No, I'll fly them in the summer. I love that. But more recently, um, I started cold plunging. So I've heard all, so my, my, uh, your sister and then our daughter started cold plunging. Our daughter cold plunges in ice water, in lake water, that, cause she lives, um, by um, a lake and she, um, she actually gets, she cut her and her husband cut a hole in the lake. And they submerge go themselves. submerge yeah. themselves in the ice. Um, so I'm going to see them this weekend. I might try that, but I'm like, I'm doing well, 50 you're degree. Definitely take a video on that. I'm doing 50 that. degree uh, water, which when I did have a thermometer, I'm like, this this has got to be like, I was freezing. And I got a thermometer. It's like, no, it's like 47 degrees. I'm like, oh my, it's so cold. So Sean bought a tub off of Amazon. So you can, he, can, he, can, he keeps it in the garage, just keeps the water in there with a the lid over it. And then it stays cold. Yes, Obviously, it's outside. I was doing it in our bathtub. Right? Yeah. And you had, for some reason, as you slink down in your bathtub, it was much harder than having it outside in like the, the cold plunge tub um, where the water stays in there. But um, I, I'm going to tell you what, I don't, there's a lot of people who sing the benefits of, of cold plunging. Um, I'm, when, when I do it, I get out and I have so much more energy. Is that I'm why almost, you do it for the energy? Um, well, I don't, well, I don't know. Like, I, there's something mental about it. There's something very masculine about sitting in there and who can sit in the longest and getting out and being cold. And you're supposed to let, you're not supposed to, you know, go into like a hot shower. You got to let your, your, your body warm itself back up. So you shiver your way. I shiver warm. my way back into. Um, that is family. It really, it, it is. And then it's supposed to help with inflammation. Also, I haven't seen that yet, but I do, it's like drinking a pot of coffee once you do it. Oh, you um, get that kind of, you get that energy uh, that high. Like, is it an adrenaline thing? Because yeah, what I heard is that when you're in, this is my understanding. Tell me if I'm wrong. My understanding is you go into this ice cold water and all the blood in your body goes towards your organs because your organs need them to survive. And that, that process of the blood going to your organs is where, and, and then eventually back out into your body. That that process is what is the health benefit, right. and then also I guess is that right? That that that's that's positive. Wait, we're, why I'm would gonna, that be positive? I'm going to tell you 
that we should bring an expert on to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, no, no, I, I did, I, because of- I'm telling you what I'm like, I'm-, I'm No, no, we're gonna bring on in the new year, we're gonna have a, a little bit more of a health focus coming into the new year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I've tracked down an expert on Ice Plunge. The, the reason is because Sean talks all the time about how great it is. And our daughter does, my sister does, everyone loves this ice. And everybody who knows Rachel Campbell Stuffy knows. Um, if you know me at all, you know that I hate, I'm literally the ultimate Arizona girl. I hate being cold. I mean, literally like my version of hell is not a burning place. It's because that's my happy place. Um, it's, it's a cold place. And, and so the idea, I mean, at work, I have a heater in my office. I have a heater by my feet next to my couch. The, I have to keep it away from Will and Pete because they're, they, they're, they're like, stop, you know, it's like too hot in here. Um, and studios are cold and I hate cold studios because they have to keep them cold because of all the lights. Uh, so suffice it to say, I hate being cold. And so I actually need to have an expert to convince me that this is worth doing because it just, to, to just feel like a pot of coffee, like I'll just have a pot of coffee. Like I don't need to get cold. The so so I'm, so I'm gonna tell you what my experience has been and what I've heard. So two, I'm gonna give you two answers. So one, when you shiver your way back into being warm again, it does something with white fat turning into brown fat. Which and is why bad. do you want white fat versus brown fat? I guess fat. brown fat's better than white fat. And if you're, if, you're, if you're a plunge expert and you're listening to this, you're like, come on, you guys, you should. So I apologize. I'm just telling you what I've read. However, I get cold too. I've been getting, for some reason, I've been getting cold recently, more, more chilled. And since I've been doing the cold plunge, I don't get cold as much. It's like my body does a better job of heating itself up when it feels a little cold. It's like it's a, it's got a better heat engine in it because I've been working it over in the cold, in the cold plunge. So anyway, I've been doing that and it's been, I've been enjoying that. Now we've, we've done podcasts on doing the carnivore thing. I haven't really, I haven't bought that yet. And that's Sean O'Meara who did that podcast with us was really convincing. I might try that though after the first of the year. I might see how it goes. Give it like a six week trial run. All right. I like that idea. I haven't done it yet, though. Um, something people might not know about me is that I was on The Price is Right. <laughs> now, if you're really young, you probably don't know what The Price is Right, but if you're over the age of, I don't know, 45, you might know what The Price is Right is. And it was a game show. And when I was 18, I participated in the, in the Price is Right. And I made it to the showcase showdown and I won a trip to Brazil and I won a stove. And um, it's kind of a quirky thing about me, but it was so actually, it was actually my first time on, on, uh, on television. So how did you actually get on the showcase? How do you get, how did you get selected? Cause there's a big audience. How did you? So I, I was living at an Air Force base in Bakersfield and Edwards Air Force Base at the time. My dad was in the military. Um, I had just graduated from high school and I was working at, mm -hmm. Um, MWR, Royal Welfare and Recreation on the Air Force Base. And they would do these trips for the soldiers and their families um, into LA. And because I worked there, they said, hey, you want to go on one of these trips with us? And I said, okay, sure, I'll go. And so one of these trips went to Universal Studios and I went to Universal Studios and it was for the taping of The Price is Right. And so as you go in, there are like a couple producers that are on like those very traditional like producer, director, uh, strolls, you know, you know, which shows yeah. I'm talking about, you see in the movies where they go cut. Um, and as you would go through, they would take you in packs of, I don't know, like six, five, six people. And they ask you a few questions. And just based on 
what they, how you responded or what your personality was like or what you looked like. I don't know what, what their criteria was. They secretly selected the amount of people they needed to do the show. And so the way this show works, if you're young and you don't know how the price is right work, is there's several rounds and they call your name and everyone's really surprised. They're like, they'll say, Sean. Duffy, come on down. Everyone's really excited because you just came to LA. You're probably not from LA and Universal Studios, and you're from out of town, and you get called on to be on TV. And like me, it would be it would have been your first time on TV. And so I knew the show. I mean, if if you were my age and you were ever sick at home, um, of you're course you watch. You watch Underdog. And like we would sit you there. watch The Price Is Right. All together in college. You watch, watch soap operas. <laughs> Um, and so I knew what the prices were and I knew what people did. When people would get their name called, they'd throw their hands in the air. They all reacted the same. And they screamed. all <laughs> put their hands in the air and they screamed and went And they ran down the stairs um, to take their place at the, at the stage, in front of the stage where they can begin to bid on products. And so I told they myself. Kiss, they all kissed Bob Barker. And they all kissed Bob Barker. And so um, I and Bob Barker had this very skinny, long, mi long microphone. And um, so anyway, they called my, I, I made a, a deal with myself. I said, if they call my name, I'm not going to act like these crazy people. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I'm way too cool for that. I'm 18 and you know, I'm going to college soon. And um, so they said, Rachel Campos, come on down. And of course, it's weird. Like I threw my hands up and I screamed and I did everything everybody else did. And I waved them in the air and I went and I took my place and I was going to kiss Bob Barker, but he had this giant cold sore on his mouth. I was like, I don't think so. Um, and so I did the, I did the show and part of the story. Yeah. There was a cold sore involved to that. I was like, skip the kiss. Um, but other than that, I, I reacted as every other, um, tourist. And you, so you went, you made it to the showcase showdown, which means you got, you had what? I didn't make it to the very end. I, I, I spun the wheel. I didn't make it to the showcase showdown, as I'm saying. I made it to the wheel where you spin the wheel. And I, I did win a trip to Brazil and I won the stove that I, that I ended up um, bidding on. And I didn't take the trip to Brazil because I was such a broke college student that you actually had to pay taxes on this, as I came to realize. And I just didn't have the tax money. And I guess I wasn't. Um, it wasn't a big enough deal for me to like, you know, want to make that money. I probably needed it for something else. And so I never went to Brazil. But you took the stove? I took the stove and I don't know if I gave it to somebody or sold it. I don't know what I did. Wow. Craziness. So that's, right. that's, um, that's that. Let me give you. The showcase showed up. Maybe we, uh, can we find, do you have that video? You know, my mom has it somewhere and. I don't think I just, I've seen it. I just don't know where it's at. But, but you know what? You know who really wants it is um, Fox and Friends. They've been asking me because, you know, Bob Barker died um, not too long ago. And um, we talked about him in my time on The, on on the, the Price is Right. And um, so anyway, here are the, here's another question for you, Sean. What do you think about Hunter Biden's appearance on Capitol Hill? So this was really interesting. He he was called by Congress, right, to come and 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 give a like essentially a deposition. They didn't want to do a traditional hearing, five minutes for a Democrat, five minutes for Republicans. You know, nothing gets accomplished, and they really wanted to dig in and ask some questions. So they said we're going to do it behind closed doors. And Hunter, because he's Hunter, right? Like he's like, I don't have to do that. 
And so my last name is Biden. My last name is Biden. No one blanks with Bidens. No one blanks with the Bidens. Remember, uh, his dad famously said that. So he set up his own press conference on the Senate side, I think. (laughs) Not the House side. He didn't like the House members. Um, He set up a, a, a press conference there. And he basically said, I'm a, I'm, you know, the, the Republicans are really mean to me. They make fun of my recovery. Um, they're misconstruing my emails and all these documents. It's not what you think. I'm a really great guy. I'm the light of my dad's life. And you're turning that love and that light into darkness. I'm not exaggerating. That is what he said. So. To, to take a step back, so he was subpoenaed, right? And some people might think that if you get a congressional subpoena, well, not that big of a deal. You don't show up. Nothing happens to you. Well, after January 6th and some of the witnesses didn't show up, like Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, they didn't show up because of like Peter Navarro specifically, I think was like, I, I have executive privilege. I'm not going to come and testify. Anyway, they, they were held in contempt of Congress for, for, for not showing up per a subpoena. And then that was referred to the Department of Justice and the Department of Justice prosecuted both of them and convicted both of them. And so uh, Joe Biden was actually asked about that. And he said, if you don't show up for a subpoena to the Congress, you should be prosecuted. So we should apply that standard to Hunter. Uh, He was given a, a duly issued subpoena from the Congress. He came to the Hill, but he was saying, I'm going to tell the here's the deal. You're not going to tell me how I'm going to testify. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to testify. And I'm going to do it, you know, in a committee hearing and I'll do it publicly as opposed to doing it behind closed doors. And here's the, de- here's the deal. When Democrats did the J6 hearings, they did the interviews behind closed doors first. And then later they would let the witnesses come and testify in public. And you made a good point. So when you watch congressional hearings, each side, each member, Democrat, then Republican, Democrat, Republican, they switch off five minutes each. And you don't really get good. It's really frustrating to watch sometimes because you don't get good information from the witnesses. Behind closed doors, it's almost like a dep- it's a deposition. And there's much more time. So you might, they'll agree to this beforehand, but each side might take a half an hour or 45 minutes to ask questions of the witness so they can really drill in to get the details from Hunter or whoever's testifying um, that you don't get in an open hearing. Um, And Hunter Biden did not want to have that situation, that scenario. And because, and this is my, I thought, I didn't think he was going to testify. I thought he was actually going to plead the fifth um, instead of opening himself up to more uh, criminal liability in the house. But there's no way that Hunter is going to have good answers for the questions that the house has for him in regard to, again, the references to the big guy, mm-hmm. you know, the, the $200,000 check that was allegedly a loan that, that came from Jim Biden to, to, uh, uh, to Joe Biden. The, I think he took out a hundred, $1.5 million a year in cash. Um, what do you do with that much well, cash? They spent a lot of, they, they, they counted for it. I mean, the amount of money that he spent on hookers and adult entertainment was astounding. I, I, I believe in one year it was like 700 and some thousand dollars that we know of. They have records of those payments for the adult entertainment. Yes. So whether that's checks or credit card statements, 
they can they can say this hundreds of thousands of dollars went to this debauchery. But when you take out cash, that reminds me of Bob Menendez who had cash and gold bars in his house. The way you pay your father is in cash. Yes. Right? You take cash out so that you can't trace it. You can't trace cash. You can trace a check. You can trace a money transfer, um, but you can't trace the cash. So um, I have to imagine something was going on with with payments. That's why you had so much cash there. Because he wasn't afraid. This, Hunter wasn't afraid to go buy drugs, right? And to get prostitute oh. um, and to join sex club. Like that was like, he was, he was not trying to hide it from his wife. Yeah. He wasn't trying to hide it from the public and therefore try to pay for it in cash. He was completely, you know, he was actually writing a lot of the stuff off yeah. on his taxes. Yeah, he was just writing it off. So when you do something different, when you go get the cash, why are you doing that and what are you trying to hide? Because if I was like, if I'm if I'm going to get prostitutes and I'm using cash, you might go, I'm gonna use cash so you can't see the credit card right. statement, right? He wasn't worried about that. He wasn't worried about that. By the way, it's it, it, absolutely. And by the way, these payments, even to the prostitutes, just I think it's worth noting that now they say that these are probably sex trafficked um, women as well. So you have that on top of it as well. But then also Joe Biden paid, um, there was a pain, pain, Jim Biden says that he paid Joe Biden back for a loan. Well, Jim Biden made a lot more money than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a public servant. That doesn't make sense. There are just, none of this stuff makes sense. And the shell companies and the shell companies in the name of granddaughters, I mean, my dad's never taken out a shell company in the name of our kids. I mean, that's just weird stuff. So it's, there's so much smoke. It's, there's absolutely fire. And, but they think they can get away with it. And by the way, when Peter Navarro, for those of you who don't know who Peter Navarro was, his position in the administration yeah, so he was, was, he was, he was an economic advisor. He was not the economic advisor, but he was an advisor one. to the president. Um, uh, he's an economist, he was an economist. Um, former he, professor. Yep. He was, he, he, um, one of the American, he was a former Democrat who was like, very be, became very hawkish on China because he understood the that threat of China. the threat of China, but also the threat of China on American workers. So he was one of the people that helped Donald Trump really build out his, you know, plan to bring back American manufacturing. It was he was part of the America First strategy. How do we build and really highly focused on China? How do we get things from China back to America? Yes. Um, he was also involved in. Uh, the Operation Warp Speed, not in regard to the development of a vaccine, but w what are you doing with masks? What are you doing with yeah, like the all supply these chain things? stuff? The supply chain stuff. That's right. So yeah, um, they 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 prosecuted Peter Navarro, who was By actually way, working I in the White House at the time, and said, "Listen, I'm not going to come and testify for your J6 hearing because I was I was I I'm covered under the executive immunity." Um, the court said no. I think he's going to appeal that, but they arrested Peter Navarro. For not coming in for the same kind of hearing that they wanted Hunter to go to. They arrested him, I think it was at uh, uh, Washington Reagan, DCA, airport. airport, and put him in shackles. In front of people. And paraded him out publicly through the airport to arrest him. Now, they could have come to his house. They could have grabbed him before he went to the airport, but they wanted a public display of shackles. Not only that, Sean, Peter Navarro's apartment is right near the FBI. It's right, next to the FBI. it's right next to the FBI building. He happens to have an apartment near there. He's like, they didn't have to humiliate me and take me out 
in that way what they did. I've seen they, this, like you can, you can actually see the FBI. Yeah, from his apartment. From his balcony. Yeah. So we'll wait to get to the airport. They were, we'll arrest you there. Yeah, we'll wait you get there and humiliate you. And, and, and they could have called him and said, hey, want to come down to the FBI? We're, we're going we're gonna to take you into custody. You would have walked down there. He would have walked down there. But they want the pop in the circumstance. Will that happen to Hunter? Will, the, will, what is Will the, FBI SUVs show up like they did for so many other conservatives over the last couple of years with guns blazing? Absolutely not. This is, this is the best example of what a two-tier system looks like. And nothing will happen to Hunter. I, I, I hate to say it, and nothing will. And part of it is going to be we're going to see whether Joe Biden stays in office um, or not um, in order to protect his son and use the powers of the government to I protect himself I, I, I and his son. I disagree with you. So if, if, if a Republican wins the White House and there's new leadership in the Department of Justice and the FBI, and there will be, um, there's, there, there are no breaks for anybody because of your politics. If you're the opposition party, usually, there, I mean, we go, again, we go back to Hillary Clinton. She, she, she had classified documents on her server. She bleach bitted a server that there was a preservation request for. She, had, she was supposed to preserve it so we could see it. She bleach bitted it. Felony crimes. And Donald Trump, and I actually agreed with him to go, you know what? This is really bad for America. Yeah. If you win and you go after the, the person that you beat, it'll, it'll destabilize the country and it creates far more problems than, um, than, than positive outcomes of this thing. And so um, in hindsight, maybe that was wrong because we now have a system where if there's any small violation, whether it's Hunter or Joe or anyone in that administration, they should go after them. They should arrest them. I don't think they will do it, though. I'm yes, just sorry. I'm sorry. I don't believe it will ever happen because Republicans just don't have well, the same. Thinks it's going to happen because he said if if Donald Trump's elected, he's gonna he's gonna leave the country. He's gonna flee. <laughs> he's gonna flee the country. That might be a good thing. He's gonna be prosecuted. There's a lot of countries he can go to. There's like Ukraine, Russia, China, China, China lots of places where he's got deep business ties. Actually, the, 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 I, who was what, was it? The documents for the Chinese that came out that said that he's really stupid or was it the, no, it was the Ukrainians who said, um, you know, that, that, you know, really he's only worth, you know, the connection to Joe and that he's really stupid. Um, that's the guy they paid, you know, almost a hundred thousand dollars a year to be on the, the board of Burisma. Um, almost a million dollars a year, $800,000 a year. Okay. Last question, Sean, what I know we're, we're, we haven't gotten through Christmas, but are you thinking about your new year's resolutions? And what will they be? Oh my gosh, my new, uh, I haven't really thought about my new year's resolutions, um, but I should start. And I, you know, I haven't been really, I'm, I'm not really good at setting a resolution and keeping it. Um, I do think you can't just pick a date and go, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this up until the, the 31st. And then right. first I'm gonna start a new and I'm gonna, I just think that at one point you gotta be committed and go, if, I'm, if I have a real resolution today, why would I wait to start on January 1st? I'd be like, I'm going to start doing this right now. Yeah. Do you have a resolution? Well, I've been sure it's the same one as always. I keep saying I'm going to do more weightlifting and more things for, to build my muscles. And so because I'm getting older, I love cardio, but cardio is not enough um, after 50. And so that's you know, what I, I want to, to work on. And so uh, a couple of things have happened. I've, 
I made an appointment to try and take Pilates. I have a couple of friends who take Pilates and say that it's really great and that you don't have to do it very often in order. So I'm also going to try that before Christmas. I have an appointment um, to try that, see if that's going to work for me. Maybe I'll do that. Um, and then we had Anna Coyman on. She used to be on Fox and Friends in the weekends. She had a website uh, that it's like a it's like an app for workout app. a workout app for moms. Yeah. And so she, her and I talked, and I'm gonna I I haven't started yet, but I'm gonna get started on that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just try and be healthier. And the other thing I want to try and do is my day gets very busy, and I think the most important thing I could do in my life is wake up early during the week. I already wake up at 2.45 in the morning on the weekends for work. I can do it. I know I can do it. Um, but the question is, why doesn't Rachel Duffy do that during the week? Um, and I wish I could because I could work out early. I could get so much done. And it's just something I need to do. And I, I, I'm just, I don't have to get up at 2.45, Monday through Friday, but if I just got up at 4, 4.30 or even 5, I get a workout in before the kids are up at six. And that is that is going to be my goal. I mean, literally, that is my goal. And I could find time to do my morning prayers. I could work out. I could get a load of laundry in and just get ahead of my day because I always feel like I'm behind the gun. So so I, uh, I'm i going to come back to this point with you, and I'm going to make this point to make a point with you. So I had shoulder surgery at the end of August, and so I, I haven't been able to work out for months. I've just started to work out again. And it's really horrible when you haven't done it for a long time to start going again. And because my shoulders hurt, I can't, I'm only using light weights, but I'm, I'm, I, it feels good to get back in the routine. Sure. But, but the difference between the two of us is I make it a priority. I'm like, if, if it's a workout day, I'm, I, there's things I have to do. I've got, I've got meetings or I have calls. Um, I have a hit, but I'm going to make sure. A hit sure means a TV hit. A TV hit. Yes, to do a TV segment. I'm going to do a podcast, but I'm going to make sure that I find time to actually do a workout. That's it. And I think about it a lot. Like I got to, I got to get my time. I got to, and, and because it's a priority, I, I do it. Rachel, on the other hand, she puts her workout gear on and then miraculously she'll find everything possible that she has to do. That's more important than working out. Right. You'll go like, I've I'm got finding stuff to do. It's not like I want to do the laundry. It's just that you can go work out and and never think for a second about the you fact that there's laundry and there's dishwashers and there's emails and there's and you, so yeah I do the dishwasher and the laundry and the email will still be there after the workout that's true but if you don't do the workout you that time that window will open and close and then you don't you don't that's true once the kids come home I can't do it can't do it so I think you have to but actually once the kids come home I have a hard time getting the laundry done and doing all and trying to get everything right. I basically, um, I send them off to school and then I spend the rest of the day preparing for them to come home. Preparing for them to come home. Uh, so, you know, that's just the way it goes. In fact, like during this podcast, I've been thinking, I've got to go cook the vegetables. I'm going to make some minestrone soup for when they come home from school. And, you know, I'm just, I, I can't help it. I have this thing in my brain and it just keeps going and it keeps going. And like, there's this great meme that I saw on, um, on, uh, on, I guess it was on Instagram or something. And it was so funny because it showed like a woman loading the dishwasher and then it showed her thought bubble. And her thought bubble was like, like a list, like that running list that I'm telling you that I have, like going all the time in my head. 
And then they showed her husband loading a plate in the dishwasher. And his thought bubble was loading plate in dishwasher. <laughs> and I think that is the difference between men and women, and that especially moms. And that so- That could be true. Okay. So- I, but, it's, but, it, but the point is, for me, if I got up early, I think my, my life would be better. And I know I can get up early because I do it every weekend. I'm you just going to do it. I, that's, that, that is a great just, commitment. I'm just going to, before we go, one last thing. This weekend, I'm going to back to Wisconsin. Um, and I'm going to go to the Wasail, which is my family's done this for shoot 40 years. Um, and I'm going to spew, I think most okay, of so the Wasail, so let's explain. You can't just throw a Wasail out and not explain. The Wasail in Northern Wisconsin occurs in a beautiful Victorian house in Bayfield, Wisconsin. It's one of the most beautiful parts of Wisconsin. It is gorgeous. It looks like a little East, East Coast, like fishing town, yeah. really. And there are beautiful old Victorians because that used to be a, a very wealthy shipping port area when we used to use the Great Lakes. And there is a old Victorian house there called the Written House with an R. And they are bed and breakfast, but in the winter, they gather um, the local best singers, local the best local sing singers in the area, and they want to be part of the singing troupe. So they come from very far, and um, during the season they will get together, in and they will practice. And they're this a cappella group that sings old English um, Christmas songs. Here we go, what was sailing right? And then you go to the written house for lunch or for dinner. And the singers come and they walk through. And I have gone many, 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 many years, probably for 15, Jerry. 20 years with Sean. So figgy pudding and the boar's head. And it's, it's pretty, it's, it, it, it's a, it, you feel like you're in, you feel like you're in a Dickens novel, right? Except you're the rich people, not the poor people. Cause you're in the, and you're in this nice Victorian and you're having a nice meal. So you're not the poor little match girl outside looking through the window, but. It you is, you, it puts you in the Christmas, Christmas spirit. spirit. So, so I just, when I did this, when I was like 12 years old, I thought this was so dumb at 12 and I didn't know the music or the songs, but I went because my mom and dad did it every year. There's a little Christmas gift they'd give the kids that wanted to go. And a lot of people didn't want to go to this thing, but you go year after year after so year. Fun. And all of a sudden, you now know all the songs and you know, the whole routine that they do at this, at this little, uh, venue. And this year, my mom was like, you know what? I want as many of my kids to come home and do this with me. So I'm flying back to Wisconsin. His mom rented a bus cause she wants everyone to sing Christmas carols all the way to Bayfield. We're going to carol our whole way up to Bayfield and carol our whole way home. And, uh, so by anyway, the way, that's his mom's name, Carol, Carol, which is kind of cute. By the way, during COVID, they shut that place down. Um, that's right. because of COVID. And because the owners are liberal. We'll, we'll hold Let's just say it. The whole town is liberal. I was about to say that earlier when you said it's a quaint little East, East Coast town. I'm like, yes. It was very liberal. <laughs> but anyway, um, they closed it down. They were a little excessive. And so the Duffies, though, um, recreated the Wasail at their home. And we got to be part of it. We went, I believe my parents were there. My parents even came um, to, it was recreated at your mom's house. Actually, I'm going to say that was actually my favorite wassail. And just, I think, I think that day we had to get, I drove home and it was snowing out it's a snow snow or something. because of COVID. You did Fox and Friends the next morning from our studio in the basement in, in Wausau. You're right. I probably did. It was, it was crazy, yeah. but I, but I was not going to miss it. And this year I have to work because um, I'm taking off for 
Christmas for the 23rd and 24th to be with our with our immediate family. But Sean is going with our daughter and our son-in-law, Michael, and they're going to represent the family at the Wassail. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm very jealous. I really... I'm looking forward to it. Really wanted to go. Big family, they're all going to be there. No, not, most of them are going to be there, not all. So almost almost every sibling is there. There's 11 brothers and sisters, mom and dad. Um, a lot of the grown-up um, grandchildren are now going. So grandchildren, you know, the grandchildren are awesome. going as well. So, yeah. Anyway, so, tradition. Um, we'll do a little little more Christmas next week um, as we come into this, you know, wonderful, holy, holy um, time of year. We want to thank you for, this is just kind of a all over the map. It is. All over. It's like our life. Our life is all over the map. It's like crazy politics, kids, faith, messes, house, Work housework, Doesn't, work. It's just. Ends. It is, I tell you what, for those of you who are single and thinking about having a family, it's a happy mess. It's a mess. It's chaotic. It's a happy, hot mess. It's a very happy, hot mess. And I wouldn't have it any other way. All, All right. right. Listen, thanks for joining us. If Merry Christmas, podcast, everybody. You can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. You can always find us at foxnewspodcasts.com. Always subscribe. You get a notice when we drop Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Again, we love all the podcasts we do, but we really enjoy the freewheeling questions you give us on our Fridays. Uh, until next time, have a good, have a good weekend. Bye, Bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.